This is the Practical Homeopathy Podcast, episode number 89 with Joette Calabrese. Hi folks, today we're doing something a little different than we have done in the past. I'm going to be interviewing Paula Brown. And she's going to tell us all about her organization. And you may already know about it. If you don't, I want you to know about it. We are very involved with Paula's organization on many different levels. And so I want you to be involved right along with me. You don't have to do a lot of work. You just have to be even just one toe into the water and getting involved with this wonderful organization. Paula, tell us about your organization. Paula Brown. Here you go, sweetie. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Americans for Homeopathy Choice. And I just thought I'd start right from the get-go and tell them what they can do. They can go to homeopathychoice.org. Right now, we are seeking 100,000 comments to go into the FDA docket. I checked today. It's uh, January 5th, and there was uh, about 25,000 comments in there. And so we're needing this to really pick up. The deadline is January 23rd. So if you go to homeopathychoice.org, right on the homepage. Homeopathychoice.org. And we'll have this listed down below for you folks to click into. Yep. And so we have software that if you're in the U.S., that makes it super easy for you. Just click, 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 and it goes straight to the FDA. If you're an international people, you can also comment. We have a copy and paste that makes it super easy. So right from the get-go, pause this podcast, run over there and get that done. But we can talk about the background and the issues too, of course. <laughs> well, and I always tell folks, I've written many times to the FDA and other government bodies in my adult life. And I find that if it's short and it's concise and it's not just an opinion, but perhaps a short story, how Belladonna helped your child with pain and ear infection or how chamomilla has helped your teenage daughter and you need to have this medicine available, um, and you need all your homeopathic medicines available, how your doctor uses it or how your practitioner uses it, and give examples, but no anger, no sarcasm. Don't do that. You will just turn them off. You want them to actually read these and say, wow, this is interesting. Look at this person's arthritis improved by using toxins and phytum or something like that. So we want them to know that we are real people out there we're not oddballs. We simply decided to use homeopathy, often instead of drugs, but sometimes alongside of drugs as well. So we're not anti-medicine. We are pro-medicine, but we're also very much pro-homeopathy. So it's very important that they understand that there's a large body of citizens in the U.S. and elsewhere who are very interested in keeping homeopathy alive. Because indeed, Paula, it is under threat, isn't it? It is. It really is under threat. And, you know, in the United States, our government works better when we can speak up and communicate and help our officials do the right thing. And if we don't get involved, I think that's how overreach happens. And that's how things kind of slip away from us. It's such an important role as a citizen and or, or as a resident of this country. You don't have to be a citizen, obviously, because the international people can comment. But as a resident of this country, to speak up and to help them understand your perspective, because they don't know it. I mean, I remember at our very first FDA meeting, we brought our homeopathy kits, me and the moms. FDA meeting, meaning you went to D.C. Now you live in Budapest. Right now I live in Budapest. Yes, we're here. And so you flew from Budapest to mm -hmm. D.C. to meet with the FDA. That's the kind of commitment Paula and her group 
have in trying to keep homeopathy safe? Because let me just say parenthetically that what happens in the United States happens then throughout the world. We are leaders in many, many ways, even in, believe it or not, in homeopathy. That has switched recently. It used to be Europe was number one. Now, now the U.S. has become number one in users of homeopathy. So, okay, so you went to the FDA and you brought a kit. Yeah, and we passed it across the table. That was our very first meeting. And the person um, who was really heavily involved in writing the draft guidance was in that meeting. I don't think that person had ever seen a homeopathic remedy in her life. You know, you're trying to kind of break these barriers with these agencies because, you know, they're there, they're doing their job or they're, they're trying to do their job or whatever it is that they're doing. They're doing what they're doing. And your job is to help familiarize them with what is happening and to understand the people behind this. And, and there's intricacies to every issue and you need to help them understand the intricacies of the homeopathy issue. And, you know, it's kind of like if you put a face and you make it real to them, it really helps. It really does. And I have to say, Joette, we have made phenomenal progress. With Over what FDA. period of time? Tell me how long you've been doing this, Paula. It's been about two years. It's been about two years of honestly pulling 60 hours a week, just about every week for uh-huh. two years. Wait a minute. Let me also say you not only live in Budapest, but you homeschool your children, three of them. So it's That's- not as though you have a lot of time on your hands. That's right. Very, very busy. It's actually been a blessing living overseas because I can spend my mornings homeschooling them and then everyone's sleeping in the U.S. Then I can work until, you know, 10 o'clock at night and get more stuff done. So, but um, it's, you know, but this is so important to us. I was just telling your husband before you came, Joette, that my daughter has had a tummy bug and this particular virus is pretty yucky. Kids are like rolling in pretty acute pain and vomiting and it's it's pretty severe and I tried a couple of different remedies and actually I switched to chamomilla which is kind of not typical right you think of a colicky baby but so we use chamomilla and like within three minutes this little girl that's been rolling in pain like she was beating her pillow Joette punching her pillow it hurts it hurts oh. just punching it and within three minutes she sits up and goes Hey, you want to play a card game? Want to play Go Fish? (laughs) (laughs) So it's just the way homeopathy works sometimes. It's not every time, but when you hit it right, especially in an acute situation when it's quite extreme, that's how quickly it can act. Yeah. It's these little moments where I just think, you know, we're doing the right thing. And I just, I really am grateful for generations that have gone by that have protected our freedoms and done different things that have really impacted us and in a positive way for today. And I just think about this is our generation's fight. Your generation, Joette, my generation, we're we're in it together, right? And this is what we have to do to protect our freedoms. And I really think we're going to be successful. Now, the battle is serious and there's a lot that's going on. But that is why we need you guys to step up and comment and take this seriously. The deadline is January 23rd. Go to homeopathychoice.org and you can very quickly submit a comment to FDA. Now, FDA doesn't really care so much about numbers. They care about quality comments, you know, so our comment that you can copy and paste or edit and add your own experience to it is there for you. But one of the reasons we really like volume is because it gets Congress's attention. We can go to them and that really made an impact last time because last time our goal was 20,000, 25,000. I can't remember, I'm not great with numbers, but that catches Congress's attention. So it's not just FDA that we're trying to show this to, we're showing Congress this and we have good relationships on Capitol Hill that we are continuing to develop. And so it's really important to get those numbers up. 
Well, there's no reason why you can't write a comment and then have your husband write a comment and then have your teenage daughter or son write comments so that it can be as many people in your family as possible. If you're a homeschooling mom, make this an important aspect of your civil duty class. And you can also take this to your church and ask your church mates, your schoolmates, your neighbors, your friends. This is very important. And it takes so little. Everything is right there at your keyboard, right at your fingertips. Have everyone in your household, regardless of age, you said teenagers, but you don't have to be a teenager. I mean, there's no like, you don't have to be like a voting. That's right. They could be a a seven-year-old. That's a good way to teach a child. Exactly. Everyone, regardless of age, should be commenting. And that's right. Having your friends at church. And, you know, the way you can talk to them about this is, you know, this is about our freedoms to choose whatever medicine that we want. This is a federally recognized form of medicine. It's backed by thousands of research papers, studies, and clinical trials. And it is something that you want to have the option to choose if you ever need it. Yes. Paula, tell us why the FDA is doing this. What are your suspicions or what do you know for sure? Give us a little background. Well, there's probably five different ways I can answer that question correctly. Um, The FDA says homeopathy has, it's been over a decade that they've done anything to homeopathy. It's actually been longer than that. And so they were kind of revisiting and trying to look at homeopathy and see what they can do to kind of update the way it's treated or whatever. So, you know, they had meetings in 2015 and then they came out with this draft guidance. And what was really concerning to us is that everything that was presented in those meetings, this draft guidance, it is not a promulgation of of the views that were proposed in those meetings in 2015. So that's the first thing. But what's really concerning about this guidance is that it takes homeopathy and the FDA says that they're going to treat it as if it's a new drug. So there's a little history lesson I can give. You mean each each homeopathic medicine? Are you talking about single medicines or combination medicines? Just homeopathy will now be treated as a new drug. And there's an interesting history about the new drug process that I think helps us understand. And I'd love to give you the little history lesson if you're up for it. Please. Okay, so back in the 50s, and you might remember this, or I don't know. Back oh, I'm not in the, that. I mean, I was a young child in the 50s. So that's I right. But I don't you, have you that might, much memory. Of well, you, you might know because your friends might, you know, this is the generation that their mothers were taking this drug called thalidomide and it was oh, causing. I certainly know all about thalidomide. Yeah, and it was causing deformities. You'll remember it because maybe you, know, you have friends or people who had deformities. I know someone who was deformed as a result of thalidomide. Exactly. So what happened is thalidomide hit the market. All these babies were getting deformed and FDA said, you know what, we need to control these drugs better. We need to make sure that their benefits outweigh their risks for their indication. So they did this thing called a new drug amendment and a new drug application. So now before a drug can hit the market, they need to do all this technical testing and whatever, whatever to make sure it's quote unquote safe. Now we know that drugs get on the market that aren't safe, but that process is supposed to help minimize these unsafe drugs. And that amendment, when it came out, it specifically says anything that predates this amendment doesn't apply. Hold on a second, Paula. There's another drug, Darvon, interestingly, hadn't been reviewed. It was a very old drug. I think I have this story correct. It's been a while since I've read about it. And it had been on the market since, I'm going to say, the 40s and 50s. Interesting. They just took it off the market because there had been so many cardiac arrests after the use of Darvon, even in small amounts. So now you can't find Darvon any longer. Darvacet N was one of them, Darvon was another, but it was on the market for decades. Half a century, more than half a century when I think about it, 
and they just took it off the market. I'm going to say, I'm going to take a guess. I really should know my figures a little bit better and my history a little bit better, but I'm going to say it's been about five years. But meanwhile, who didn't take Darvon? I took Darvon as a teenager. Anytime you had any pain, that was the pain reliever du jour for decades. And now it's off the market. And they'll probably be doing the same thing with the statin drugs forthcoming. Those will soon be off the market. Interesting. Well, yes, right. After having been on the market for, again, decades. So it's certainly not foolproof, this method. That's right. Exactly. So this method is meant to kind of minimize that, but absolutely it's a concern. And so, but FDA said, okay, so everything that predates this new drug amendments, they don't apply. I mean, like aspirin has been around for a long time and it predates this new drug amendments and they have a whole analgesic section. So this is like a big legal lasagna, but basically the new drug amendments makes new drugs coming out on the market, go through a new drug application that costs millions of dollars per component of a drug, very expensive, and it's there intended to protect the consumer. Well, interestingly, FDA for all of these years as a matter of policy, so meaning this is their, their policy in how they treated homeopathy, was that they have always treated homeopathy as something that is unique and different. A, it predates the new drug amendment. B, I mean, we even have them on the federal register that FDA once said the commissioner of FDA is going to defer. This is actually during the over-the-counter drug review process of homeopathy until a later date, basically because they knew that it was unique and different. And they said, quote, because of the uniqueness of homeopathy. So FDA had this new drug amendment come out all these thalidomide babies were coming out. And so they changed things up and it specifically says that anything that predates is exempt and FDA treated homeopathy. We have this pattern where FDA has treated homeopathy as different. Then 2017 comes and FDA says, and I'm going to quote this. This is a tricky, this is a double negative statement. It's very confusing, but it's one of the most important statements. It says, absent a determination that homeopathy is not a new drug, we're going to treat it like it's a new drug. So what they're saying is nobody's actually like Congress, no court has actually come out and said homeopathy is not a new drug. So because the statement is not solidified, it's not declared by any particular body, legislative body, right. that means it must not be? Well, they're going to say that means we get to treat it like a new drug. And what does that mean? That means that every single homeopathic medicine is being sold on the market technically illegal because it hasn't gone through new drug application. Do you think a new drug that comes out on the market can just be sold out there without going through the new drug application? Absolutely not. Well, what they're saying is homeopathy hasn't gone through this, so it's technically illegal and it gives the FDA the authority to pull it off the market whenever they want. Now, that is just their treatment. That is their interpretation of the law, even though the law says that pre- new drug amendments don't apply. So it's kind of a legal mess. And that is why we have an attorney and a legal team. And our position is, okay, you admit, FDA admits, absent a determination that homeopathy is not a new drug. That's them saying nothing's been determined. But you don't get a pick and suddenly say we're going to treat it like it is. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what's behind this, Paola? Come on, this just doesn't seem, this seems ir very irregular. You know, I don't know what's behind it. We know that big pharma is big and expensive and, you know, that they have influence even in, in just like the culture, right? What can be said on the news? What is considered appropriate? You know, we know that they have a big influence, um, but I don't know. 
I really don't know what is behind this. I don't know if it's just a big agency and it's hard for big agencies to kind of get something that is finite, you know, and detailed like homeopathy and treat it like it deserves, you know, it's just like a big elephant sometimes that comes in and tries to fix things and they make more of a mess than, than, you know, they needed to. I don't know what's behind this. I think that's the million dollar question, but I can say that there's been no deaths or disabilities attributed to homeopathy in over 200 years. I can say that. And I can say that this is the safest category of drug. I've said this to the FDA. This is the safest category of drug you guys regulate. And not only that, you guys have these big issues. You have this antibiotic crisis. You have this opioid crisis. And homeopathy can help with that. So our urging to them is slow down and let's get this right. Now, I can say there have been different recalls, different problems with different homeopathic products. And we don't need to name them specifically. But, you know, it happens. And so what my legal team and I did together with my entire team, we went through one by one and analyzed every single one of those recalls. And guess what, Joette? Guess what we found? I know what you found, but go ahead and tell everyone. (laughs) Well, we found two issues. It was either improperly manufactured, so perhaps there was a contamination issue or something, or it was improperly labeled. The label homeopathy should have never been on that bottle because the ingredients weren't in the HPUS or, or, or they weren't homeopathic. Well, so, if you go online, you'll find a, a products here and there that call themselves homeopathic, and then you read the ingredients, and there's nothing homeopathic about it at all. It doesn't show any right. potencies. They're herbs, and they think people still believe that that's the right. word holistic and homeopathy are synonymous, and they're absolutely not. That's right, which is crazy for Including manufacturers, and including marketers, many, many people still get that confused, which is a travesty. So it's like, I've seen CBD oil labeled as homeopathic and it was like CBD oil, crude substance, CBD oil. So what we've said to the FDA is said, look, to the extent that there have been problems, we think we should have proper manufacturing. We support you guys in that. These recalls that you've done and I'm showing them the recalls, like we support this because this is improper manufacturing. This is bad labeling. This is improper manufacturing. This is bad labeling. So we support that. I said, but the thing is, you know, this is not an issue with homeopathy. Labeling and manufacturing is generic to pharmaceuticals. This is not an issue with homeopathic medicine. And you guys have created a guidance on homeopathic medicine. It's sweeping. It's a sweeping, right. what's the word? A sweeping finger pointed at an entire industry, an entire medicine, when it should be more specific. That's exactly it. That's exactly right. And so I've actually kind of joked, um, not joked, but you know, joked about the fact that FDA has kind of treated homeopathy very allopathically. You know, they're looking at the symptom and the symptom to them is homeopathy. But I'm like, guys, if you get to the root of the problem, the root of the problem, which we have analyzed carefully is twofold, labeling and manufacturing. Let's get to the root of the problem and all of this is going to go away. Not one single problem that we have identified has come up as an issue with an actually properly prepared, properly labeled homeopathic product has caused an issue. Never have we seen that. So how was that received, Paola? Look, the FDA is listening to us. The attention they have given and continue to give us is like no other in the homeopathy community as far as I know. We met with the person right beneath the commissioner. She's a top drug regulator in the U.S. I mean, really one of the most powerful people in the world, if you consider the Food and Drug Administration one of the most powerful administration in one of the most powerful countries in the world. 
we talk to this person and, you know, responds to emails, asks questions, um, made a phone call once. So we have a level of communication that shows a genuine interest. And I, I really think that they are listening. Now, they reissued this draft guidance, and this is really interesting, Joette. So they created a draft guidance in 2017. And they released it, and we did what we did. We got those comments in there. We did all that we did the past two years. We worked, we worked, we worked. And then suddenly, what we were expecting is for them to issue a final version of that guidance. And we have spoken to different people on my team that have experience in the government. And they say, usually when an agency releases a draft guidance, the next thing they do is they make it final. They will sometimes revise it to like match like stuff that you said. But the next move they always make is, publish the final. Very rarely, it's uncommon for them to issue a second draft. Like, oh, here's my revised draft. Here's a second draft. And they did that. Now, so they were influenced. They were influenced. And I was really excited to read it. And then I was promptly really disappointed (laughs) when I read the second draft was also concerning. It didn't change many of the big issues we had. They did add, for example, like a definition about homeopathy. That was one issue I took with the first draft. I said, hey, you don't even define what homeopathy is. Like, how do we even know, you know, because people are going to read this. They're not even going to know what you're talking about. You need at least define it. I mean, it it felt like. Do your homework. Or you draft something that's going to affect millions and millions of people. And I, you know, I've met these people and we have to remember that we're talking to people as well as we're talking to a giant industry. And I I really think that there are people in that room that I've met with, I'm not saying every single one, but the people that I've met with seem to be trying to do the right thing. But again, it goes right back to, we need to step up, make our voices heard, communicate, and make sure that they do their job better than they would without us. And so the second draft, okay, there was a definition in there. Um, I didn't necessarily love the definition, but I can see an effort. But again, that statement about treating homeopathy as a new drug, when they acknowledge that it is not a new drug, I mean, they say absent a determination that it's not, we're going to treat it that it is. They acknowledge that homeopathy has never been treated as a new drug. It's, It's a total 180 shift on how the industry treats homeopathy. And that's what we're going to take issue with. So, and listen, you know, we live in a country where there's three branches of the government, right? You have the judicial branch, the executive branch, and the congressional branch. We have been working the congressional branch from the beginning, and that's Congress, that's our Senate and the House, right? And then on the other side, FDA is part of the executive branch. Trump appoints a commissioner of the FDA, that's an executive branch. And so we're working with the executive branch. But guess what? We have three branches of the government here. And I, as president of Americans for Homeopathy Choice, am willing to exercise our rights in the third branch of the government. And that's lawsuit to the FDA if we have to. But that will require many people making donations. And it's worth every penny. It's worth every penny. It It really is. And right now, the way that we're going with the FDA, I think that the conversations are, again, very positive. They're Good. listening. Let's stay with that. That's exactly what... That's Put our eggs into that basket, but be willing to step out of that basket and go to the next if needed. That's exactly it. You know, that's homeopathy right. is part of the national health systems of a number of countries. That's right. Uh, Brazil, and that's where you're from. Right? Yep. That's where you grew up. Homeopathy was ubiquitous. It's certainly India. That is part of their national health system. But I also understand, well, Switzerland, I, I believe Germany, uh, Mexico, 
Chile, Pakistan, these are places where it is part of their national health system. And even Cuba, believe it or not, um, has used, I don't believe it's part of their national health system, but it has been used by their government to treat leptospirosis. And if anyone's interested in reading about that particular event, I've written articles about leptospirosis in Cuba. Uh, so if you want to read up on that and, and explain this to your neighbors before they start writing their letters to the FDA. And I just think, you know, homeopathy in the U.S. is a federally recognized drug. I mean, it is in the food. It's the 1940s. 1930-something. 1930s, yes. Royal Samuel Copeland, who was a Mm -hmm. senator in New York State, helped develop the FDA to protect homeopathy. That was the original intent, was to protect and regulate homeopathy as well as other drugs. And now Mm -hmm. that FDA that was designed specifically by him and others is now going against um, our needs, our family needs. So we need, we do want to step up. One of the other things that FDA has said to us is they say, you know, most of these medicines will remain available. We don't want most. We want all. When your child is sick, you don't want to be able to only use those that are lovely, like kelp carbon, chamomile, like what you use. We want also those that someone might consider toxic, but of course it is not once it's made into homeopathic medicine, diluted 200 times to the 100th power, such as Nux Vomica or Arsenicum Mm -hmm. album or Veratrum album or or, um, Hyosiamis or Lachesis. We need all of these homeopathic medicines. We want access to all of them. Here's something else that I want to ask you, Paula, because many folks believe that, oh, well, you know, if it happens, you know, I can just go to Canada or I can order from India or I can order from England. What's your take on that? I have my way of thinking. Well, FDA is in the customs office. So customs is what inspects everything coming across the border. And the FDA has an office within customs that, you know, if anything FDA related comes through, they can talk about that. So they are at the border. We've already seen things being confiscated. But, you know, I have to say, like, I hate hearing that talk to it. I hate hearing talk about, well, I'll just order from overseas. That's right. I do too. I understand. I understand because trust me, like when this draft guidance came out, the first thing I did is order a pile of yes. remedies. Yes. And yeah. I urge everyone to do that. Right. You should have remedies. From, and some from American That's right. homeopathic pharmacies. So, and I've but, talked about them many times. Let me just say this parenthetically, Paula, okay. such as Highlands, Boron, Hahnemann, Washington, OHM. These are, are good pharmacies in the U.S., don't buy outside. We need to protect these pharmacies. They are our American pharmacies. And it's important that we protect them by purchasing from them with our dollars, because if they go to the wayside, so do we. And there's all these other things that people are doing besides talking about, well, I'll just order it from overseas or, you know, I understand that I've, I did the same thing. Well, as a last resort, if this comes to yes. But the thing is, we are not there yet, and I need the energy and the time going towards supporting these efforts because we need everybody to step up and comment, consider donating to homeopathychoice.org. We have a donation page there. Just step up and support us because it's like here we are fighting tooth and nail, and then I like will see people say, well, can we order? If this happens, can we do this? I'm like, no, 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 don't move on. Stay here in the present. 
This is the fight. Stay here, throw in with us and support us. But I understand like we do need to be prepared. We need to have like our plans and whatever. So, you know, we live in Budapest right now, but we have a homestead in Texas. Trust me, zombie apocalypse comes. I welcome it. Like we're ready to go. So I'm all about preparedness and I understand that mindset, but So buy your remedies now. Buy as many as possible that will support the pharmacies, our American pharmacies. Yes. As much as you possibly can. Every time you have a few extra dollars, get on, go to Amazon, order them there, order directly from these pharmacies and have back stock. I say order directly from the pharmacies because I have seen more than once, um, you know, there's different distributors on Amazon. Yes, that- you're right. You do have to be careful. Yeah. You're right. You're you really absolutely- do. The reason that I like Amazon is because it's usually next day shipping. I but know. Right. You have I to know. be careful because there are questionable pharmacies. And you, that's why I say buy from these particular companies. I've had Even two incidents where like a very reputable brand of homeopathy, I ordered it and I peeled the sticker back and it says arsenicum and underneath it was like Allium Sipa. <gasps> yes. Don't order from Amazon. <laughs> Oh, really? Well, that's yeah, very like, like not even the pharmacy, but the person who's like putting it in the box or whatever. So yeah, I, I don't know if you know about that. You probably haven't no, seen No, I that. did not know that. I'm yeah. glad you brought that up, Paula. Thank yep. you. So yep. directly, that's all right. Let's change that. Nix what I just said about Amazon. <laughs> go directly to the pharmacies. Yeah, there you go. I think, yeah, because people, people don't realize that. I mean, in a pinch, like go ahead, use Amazon go for it. But I agree, except for we don't get Amazon here. (laughs) And I miss it dearly for all the other stuff Amazon delivers. So anyways, this is a critical time. I think FDA is trying to reinterpret the way they've interpreted the law for homeopathy for a long time. It's a total 180 degree shift and we need to hold them accountable to that. Yes, we do. And this is where I always tell people, don't put your money into a latte from Starbucks. Don't put your money into a new pair of shoes, fix up the old ones, get them resold, clean them all up and spend your money on homeopathy, on owning your remedies, on your personal education, on investing in your family's well-being and getting involved in an organization such as this. Now, are there other organizations, Paula, or are you the one? Well, we are the only homeopathy organization in the U.S. whose focus is just advocacy. We have wonderful organizations in the U.S. You know, there's the National Center for Homeopathy, the American Institute of Homeopathy, um, the North American Society of Homeopathy. I mean, just so many great, great organizations. But, you know, they have different approaches, like the AIH serves like medical doctors, naturopathic doctors, those guys. Um, NASH is the professional organization for the professionals of homeopathy. So they all have different things, and we're the only one that just focuses on just advocacy. And I think that's pretty important. And what's really, really nice is that the homeopathy community is behind our efforts. Because let me tell you, two years ago when we showed up, we were like the new kid on the block. Nobody knew exactly what to do with us, to trust us. How serious are they? Are they going to be a flash in the pan? But, you know, two years down the line, we've gained a lot of support momentum. We actually have on our website this joint statement, Joette, that we've released. Over 15 leading homeopathy organizations in the U.S. signed on to our statement supporting what we're doing. We've really come a long way to unify the homeopathy community, a very, very important thing. And uh, that's what we're doing. So, Paula, this has been great. Thank you so much. And it doesn't mean we're finished. This is an ongoing conversation, and I'd like to see us talk about it further. And donations are very important. Paula, tell us how we can donate. 
So you go to homeopathychoice.org right there on the menu, you'll see our donate button. You can actually join our bear pack. That's someone who donates $25 or more a month to bear our pack organization. Meaning mama bear. Yeah, mama bear or like, you know, there's papa bears and there's people who aren't parents to people, but to animals or, you know, anti bears. So, you know, any, you know, whatever you are in life, we treat homeopathy as if it's our own child and we want to protect it as if it's our own child. And that's where the bear pack comes in. So that's $25 or more a month. There's all kinds of little perks we give you every time we have a chance to give you some love. We do that. And then if you're just in a position to do like a one-time donation, that's fine too. And so we give you all those options on our website. So yeah, those are the two things you should go to our website for is definitely comment. That's the free thing to do. It'll make you feel great. And you did the right thing and make sure everyone in your household signs, regardless of age, and then also consider donating. Absolutely. We want Swiss Army Knife Preparedness. And this is part of one of those actions. Know your medicines, own your medicines, and protect your medicines. This is what we as mothers, grandmothers, and others need to be very involved in in 2020. Guys, the deadline is January 25th. That's like in five minutes. We really need you Please guys. do it today. Do it today. Happy New Year, everyone. And let's get this changed. As I hope you know by now, on my blog, podcasts, and Facebook Live, I offer as many protocols for simple conditions as I can for free without affiliates or advertising. But let me be clear. When it comes to more complex conditions, it's key that you learn how to use these medicines properly. I want you to be well-trained. So I save discussions of the more involved methods for my courses in which I walk students through each method with step-by-step training. In these podcasts, I focus on those students of mine who have already tunneled in and learned how to take care of themselves, family, friends, and pets, and even livestock using homeopathic medicine. Many of these students began their education by participating in one of my Gateway to Homeopathy study groups. And now, after taking one or more of my courses, they're well-trained to use my specific brand of homeopathy. I hope listening to this podcast has inspired you to follow in their footsteps. With the proper training, you too can nurture and protect the health of your family and loved ones with practical homeopathy. You just listened to a podcast from practicalhomeopathy.com, where nationally certified homeopath, public speaker, and author Joette Calabrese shares her passion for helping families stay strong through homeopathy. Joette's podcasts are available on iTunes, Google Play, Blueberry, Pandora, Stitcher, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening to this podcast with Joette Calabrese. To learn more and find out if homeopathy is a good fit for your health strategy, visit practicalhomeopathy.com.